Merry Christmas season to all of you, and hope you're getting in the holiday spirit of things. Um, I wanted to make a note that, uh, two things. One is that, uh, before I get into this message, um, that I, I, I just feel like I, I want to challenge us to give sacrificially uh, to this giving season that we have here, this campaign that we're doing to bless these, these ministries that we're partnering with. Remember the widow's might. You know, she only had a penny to give, but she gave it. And Jesus says that she put in more than all the rest. Because in the kingdom, it's not about the amount. It, it's about the sacrifice behind the amount. And that's the power of it. The power is found in the sacrifice. Because everything in the kingdom goes forward through sacrificial love. And so can we give sacrificially? Uh, not conveniently, but sacrificially. Uh, to the operation of, of, of the ministry, but also to this uh, campaign that, that we're doing this Christmas season. The second thing I want to note is that last week was actually a historic moment for Woodland Hills Church. Because it was the first time in history that I preached an entire sermon with my zipper completely down. <laughs> I, I know a few people noticed it. Unfortunately, I wear long shirts, so it's only when I went like this that you could, uh, you know. So anyways, uh, and don't bother going back and watching the film. It didn't get on... It, it, didn't get on film, but uh, yeah, there was a, a little awkwardness there. Okay. One last thing, and that is that I just feel like, you know, we, we don't uh, intentionally try to choreograph too much here in terms of coordinating the, what we, you know, what Rob says and what goes on with worship with what I say, but everything that's gone on in this service so far has been, you would think we exactly choreographed it. Um, what Dylan said was my message in a nutshell. And what Rob read, well, you'll, you'll see how it fits in here in a moment. So we're, we're starting this new series, uh, Christmas Lights. How, how the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, looking at various aspects of the darkness of our world. And um, so this morning we're going to look at the chaos of our world and, and how Jesus is, is, is peace, brings us peace in the midst of chaos. I want to first read from Isaiah chapter 9. This is a prophecy written about 800 years before Jesus is born. And here's what Isaiah says. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Another passage I want to read, just to kind of put it out there and prime the pump, though Rob has already read it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Rob, you didn't know I was reading this, did you? Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Pray with me here for a moment. Abba Father, we submit this message to you and ask that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, just invade it with your authority to do kingdom work in our life, to reframe what needs to be reframed in the way we look at things, to reframe the meaning of our trials and tribulations, to find a level of peace that we have not known before. Open our hearts, open our eyes to receive your word, your wisdom, and most of all, your peace that passes all understanding in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. As a kind of a preliminary word before I get into the meat of this message, I, I, I want to just say this. That it's, um, it's very unusual that Isaiah, I mean, this guy, he says that there's a child that's going to be born. Okay, so he's talking about a human being. 
But then he goes on to say that this child that's going to be born to us will be called the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. See, Isaiah is writing, he's he's an ancient monotheistic Jew. And if there's anything that's foundational to ancient Judaism, it's, it's the belief that God is God and human beings are human, and the two, there's an infinite distance between the two. And you never confuse the two. And yet here, Isaiah, going against all of everything that his culture would teach him to say, he says that a child's going to be born, and this child will be human because he's going to be born, but he's also going to be the mighty God. Isaiah, 800 years before Christ, is articulating an incarnational theology, and that's amazing. And whenever you can't account for something, can't explain how a biblical author came up with an idea, because he didn't, he didn't get this from his culture, that's for sure. Where did he get it from? Well, I submit to you that it reflects the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Having Isaiah say something that Isaiah normally would never say. But what's even more amazing than that, that's amazing, but what's even more amazing than that is that Matthew agrees with him. Because Matthew also was a monotheistic Jew. And yet he, said, he says, Jesus, one of the names he'll be called is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew sees Jesus as God with us. In fact, that's what you find throughout the whole New Testament. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And, and you now have to ask the question now, where did they get that idea from? But the, even beyond that, you have to ask the question, how did they ever come to believe this about a fellow human being? These monotheistic Jews, somehow Jesus convinced them that he wasn't just a human being, he was, in fact, the embodiment of God on earth. Now, what convinced them of that? Well, here's one idea. Maybe they were telling the truth. Uh, if, if, if Jesus made the divine claims that they say he made, and if he did the miracles that, that they say he did, and if he died and rose from the dead, as they say they witnessed him doing, well, that would convince them, I suppose, that this guy, this contemporary of theirs, in the case of James, it's his brother, that, that he is, in fact, the embodiment of God. Short of that, I don't know what ever could convince first century Jews that a fellow human being was God. If you have a better explanation for that, please share it with me after the service. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you don't have a better explanation for that and you're not yet a believer, well, then I would encourage you to consider becoming one. God doesn't ask us to shoot our brains when we become followers of Jesus. He gives us plenty of rational reasons for seeing this as true. And I encourage you to embrace those and take them seriously. Consider that. All right. Thus ends the apologetic portion of today's sermon. (laughs) Jesus is called the mighty God and the prince of peace. The peace that he's the prince of is not just the absence of conflict. We sometimes talk about peace that way. Uh, But no, the the Jewish concept of peace is shalom. It's it's much more robust than just there's no conflict. It has the connotation of, of, of being in harmony, of a wholeness, of being integrated. Where Jesus is going to reign, Isaiah is saying, he'll be the prince of wholeness, of, 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 of harmony and integration. All that is found in, the, is found in him. Now, it, Scripture is really clear that he'll be this prince of peace in the fullness of time at the end of the age. Listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. Love this passage. Paul says that with all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ. And here's what the will is. As a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, to gather up all things in Christ. 
the word that he uses is a very rare word. It's anakephaleao. And it literally means into the head. Kekephale is the word for head. It has a connotation of God's going to sum up, harmonize everything into a head or into one authority, and that is Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that God's plan for world history is by means of Jesus Christ to harmonize everything, to bring everything together, to redeem everything. And it has the connotation when he says all things, ponta in Greek, it means all things. So God is going to be bringing good out of all things. Even the worst things in history, God is somehow going to weave it all together to create this beautiful tapestry that will give glory to the infinite intelligence and wisdom and beauty of God. It's a glorious eschatological vision, a vision of, of, of the end times. It says something very similar in a different way in, in, in Colossians chapter 1. It says this, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell... Paul's a monotheistic Jew, and yet he's saying that all of God's fullness dwelt in Christ. Amazing. And through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. By making peace through the blood of his cross, it's by making peace through that self-sacrificial love that was perfectly manifested on the cross when Jesus gave his life for us. And God's using that self-sacrificial love. By means of that self-sacrificial love, God is reconciling all things to himself and all things with one another and thereby bringing peace, shalom, to all things. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace because by means of the love that was manifested when he gave his life for us, God is using that to redeem everything in creation, to bring it all together into one head, to integrate all things into his plan, to bring it into a harmonious whole. That's why Paul can say in Romans 8, 28, that, that, that uh, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This is just what God's cosmic plan looks like for the individual believer. God's doing this everywhere. But what it looks like for us is that we know that God's out there doing, working all things for the better by means of his self-sacrificial love. And so whatever happens with us, we know that God's working in that for our good. And he's doing it everywhere, but see, it's only those who are called according to his purpose, only those who, have, who know what his purpose is, who have said yes to, 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 to Jesus Christ, who know that he's doing this thing, and so we can cooperate with God as he's doing this. We get to have, have a role in this, but in all things, God's working together for the good. Just beautiful. And the end result of this whole thing as God works in us and God works in all things through the love that's revealed on Calvary, as God's doing all this, it's so glorious that Paul has the audacity to say, as I bring out quite often, that he says that the sufferings of this present age, this present time, are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. All the sufferings of this world. God's using all that material, all the suffering, all the ugliness, all the pain. He's using it all to move the world into a certain direction. It's like material in an artist's hands, and he's using the pain to, to create something beautiful. In our lives individually, but also throughout the entire creation in heaven and on earth, praise God. And when the whole thing is done, as Dion said, you look at the, how it ends, it ends spectacularly well. Hallelujah. Incomparably well. We can't, the sufferings of this present age, which sometimes can be absolutely unthinkably nightmarish, and yet even the worst of the worst can't be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed when God unveils this tapestry, this beautiful tapestry of all creation throughout all of time, and each one of us now being redeemed and, and, and reflecting the love of God as everything in the kingdom will 
Uh, it will be glorious. It ends spectacularly well. So the Prince of Peace will certainly be the Prince of Peace at the end of the age. The question then is, well, why isn't he the Prince of Peace now? Or well, he is the Prince of Peace now, but why, don't, why doesn't he bring peace now? Amen. Why didn't he bring peace the first time? You like the question. All right, good. <laughs> See, the other thing. Jesus came into an age that was quite a bit like our own in that it was turbulent. You know, in history, you have times where there's peace and times where there's all sorts of turbulence. We're in a time that's quite turbulent. I think you'd all agree. Uh, there's a lot of chaos going around. I used to love what our kids say about chaos. A lot of chaos, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of hollering. J- Jesus came into a time like that. The Romans were oppressing the Jews. They were occupying their land. And so there's tremendous hostility between Jews and Romans. Um, the rich were exploiting the poor in terrible ways, as is still happening today. Um, and, and even among Jews, there's divisions, uh, conflict as to how we, they should respond to the Romans and, and how to interpret Scripture and a lot of other things. So there's real turbulent times. And people expected the Messiah, who they knew would be the Prince of Peace, they thought the Messiah would come and fix all of this. And people tried to get Jesus to fix all of this. Well, you get the Romans off our back so we can be live in peace without them breathing down our neck. And can you... Bring some justice to our economic system and, 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 and some, some set the captives free and liberate the poor and all the rest. And yet, in his ministry here on earth, in his first coming, he didn't do that. And he set people free, he healed them. But in terms of the systemic problems, they were still there. How come he didn't just flex his omnipotent muscle and fix that? Uh, in fact, not only did he not fix it, you could argue that he actually intensified, in some respects, the chaos that was there. When he comes into this world and he doesn't bring peace, he brings a lot of chaos. Uh, for example, the, the Christmas story is full of this kind of chaos. He, Mary is a, is, is a teenage, uh, unwed Jewish peasant girl, and yet she's, she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit with, with Jesus. Now, in first century Jewish culture, that is a scandal. You never live that one down. Jesus didn't bring her a whole lot of peace. Mary, Mary's life was not more peaceful because she was the mother of the Prince of Peace. And, uh, and, then, and then there's the, um, they got to go down to Bethlehem for the stupid census that they have to take. And uh, they get there and there's no room in the inn. So now they got to be parked out in, and Mary apparently is really far along. And so they have to park out in the animal barn or maybe it was a cave where they uh, uh, put the animals of the folks who are staying in the hotel. And where there's animals, there's animals poop. And that's where Jesus is going to be born. And I can't believe that that was really consoling to Mary and Joseph. Oh, what a nice, sweet thing. I imagine Joseph was freaking out. So Jesus comes and he doesn't actually bring peace by the way he comes into this world. And then Herod gets, gets whiff of, of uh, this king that's being born. And Herod was a paranoid freako. And so he sends out his soldiers to kill all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph, have got to, they're warned by God in a dream that they got to get out of there. So they got to go over to Egypt where they're going to live as, as foreign immigrants for a couple of years before they go back to Nazareth. And none of this is peacegiving, all right? And certainly for the families of the kids who got killed, what's this Prince of Peace thing? This is a Prince of Disaster, it seems like. And see, all the chaos that we see in the Christmas story, we, we had this idea that it was all so sweet and serene, but it's chaos, a lot of chaos. Uh, and, and all that was just sort of a preview what was to come when Jesus on the cross dives in to the chaos of the world, the chaos of humanity, the heart of sin? See, it becomes very clear that when Jesus came the first time, God's plan wasn't 
for him to, for, for God to wave a magic wand, and now he's going to decree that there's going to be peace. He's going to force peace on the world and force chaos out of the world. That clearly was not his plan. Rather, what's clear in the birth narrative and what becomes especially clear on the cross is that the way Jesus is going to be the Prince of Peace and the way he's going to move the world towards this final culmination when all things will be woven together and he'll be the Prince of Harmony and Wholeness and Shalom throughout all of creation. The way he's going to do that, not by force, not by decree, but by diving into it. He dives into it. He comes into this world, he dives into it, he becomes part of the chaos of this world. He's participating in the chaos of this world. And then on the cross, see, the cross just sums up everything Jesus was about. So it's not surprising that we see a preview of the cross in the infancy narratives, in the Christmas story, because the cross sums it all up. And on the cross, Jesus dives headfirst into the worst that the world has to offer, into our chaos, into our sin, into our rebellion. He bears it all. He owns it. And by means of owning it, by the love that, that is, is, is revealed as he dives into our chaos, that love is what is pushing the chaos at bay and what is bringing peace to this world. He brings about peace on this earth, not through force, not through decree, but through a self-sacrificial love, diving in to all that needs redeeming. And that's why Paul could say on Colossians 1 that it's by means of the blood of the cross, by means of his self-sacrificial love, not by means of his muscle, not by means of a decree, but by his humble sacrifice that God is weaving everything together in heaven and on earth, praise God. And that God is weaving everything together in our lives individually, praise God. Uh, yes, he's a prince of peace. He will defeat chaos. But he does it by bringing good out of evil, by diving into it, by redeeming it from the inside. So we're, we need to look forward and eagerly anticipate this time when, in the fullness of time, the prince of peace will reign over a whole creation that is, full, is harmonious and integrated and whole. We look forward to that time. But at the same time, as we're making our way there, we need to be looking for the Prince of Peace in the midst of chaos and in the midst of our pain. Uh, this is why he's called Emmanuel, God with us, because he's always with us. However dark, however gloomy, however pessimistic, however painful a situation may be, you can know that the Prince of Peace is there. He's God with us and he's working to bring good out of evil, to redeem all things. The good news of the Christmas story is that the story ends spectacularly well. But it's also part of the good news of the Christmas story that he is Emmanuel with us. As we work our way towards the spectacularly well ending, we go through pain and conflict. He's always God with us, bringing, redeeming the time, turning it to our advantage, turning it to the advantage of the kingdom. And one more thing I'll add. Well, actually, it's not, I'll probably add about five more things, but here's, here's the next thing I'll add. When you find the Prince of Peace working to redeem chaos and pain, when, you, when, we, when we find the Prince of Peace doing that, we'll begin to find the wholeness and the harmony and the integration um, that goes with this. In the midst of the chaos, there's available to us this peace that is harmony, wholeness, and integration, even right here and right now, because the Prince of Peace is working in it. Uh, I want to look at two passages that Jesus... Uh, says in, in, in the book of John. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace, remember what peace is about, not just absence of conflict, but peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Okay, just chew on that. And then listen to this in John 16, 32 and 33. Jesus says, The hour is coming, indeed it has come. When you will be scattered, each one of you to his home, and you will, be, you, and, and you will leave me alone. Basically, I know you're going to abandon me. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world you face persecution. It could be you face trials and tribulations. But take courage. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you. Now you're going you're to betray me. And you know, you're going to scatter. Everyone's going to be scattered. But I'm telling you this ahead of time so that you'll have peace. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of chaos, a lot of craziness. But I, I, I'm telling you ahead of time so that in the midst of all that craziness and chaos, you're going to find some peace. The three things I want to say about this. First, he says, in this world you will have trials. You will have persecutions. You will have troubles. Don't think for a moment that being a follower of Jesus is going to make your life any easier. It may make it harder, but it's not going to make it easier. In this world, you're going to have trials because it's a fallen world. It's a, it's a cosmic war zone. Uh, it's a battlefield. And, 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 and so we have to expect that there's going to be trials. Some of it may be coming because of our faith. Some of it come just because life is like that. It's random. A lot of nasty stuff can come down the pike. You're going to have trials. Lock this in. It's a promise of God. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. It's going to happen. I sometimes think that one of the reasons people can lack peace is because they set the bar of expectation so high that we actually think that we can skate through life without any kind of trials or tribulation. So then when trials and tribulation comes, we go, it's not fair. I wanted my best life. Why is this happening? You know, well, who told you that it was going to be a, a, a vacation resort? This is not a vacation resort. Now, we try very hard to make it a vacation resort, right? And there's some really rich folks who can live pretty much like that. Uh, let that be. That's just what it is. But, but it's not a vacation resort. It's a war zone. So in this world, you're going to have trials. Don't be surprised at that. Expect that. What matters is how do you respond when those trials come? Second thing, Jesus says, oh, I love this. My, he says, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. And this is the mighty God talking. Huh? The child that's born is the mighty God. Jesus has the peace of God. And that's what Jesus gives to us. Now, here's the thing. You find in the Bible, there's a lot of emotions ascribed to God. The whole spectrum. You know, God is pleased. God gets angry. God has joy. God has sorrow. Uh, sometimes God's disappointed. Sometimes God's somewhat surprised. At, the, at, at decisions people make. He's got the whole range of emotions. But one emotion you'll never find ascribed to God anywhere in the Bible, not once, is worry or anxiety or fear. No, no, it's, it, God is, at the core of God's being, God's chill. Uh, he's got a center of peace, a center of shalom, harmony, wholeness, integration. And that's not incompatible with having, having sorrow and, 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 and having joy and being disappointed and whatever. At the core of God's being is this perfect peace. God's chill being God. And it's not hard to understand why. You see, like, God, God is at peace at all times. He's never wringing his hands where he's going to go. No, he doesn't have to do that because God knows he can pull off what he promised he can pull off. He promised he could pull off Ephesians 1. He integrated find redemptive value in every single thing and weave it all together into a harmonious whole, into a tapestry that glorifies his infinite intelligence and his, 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 his glory and his beauty. He, he knows he can pull that off. He is infinitely intelligent. And so whatever's going to happen, 
He knows all possibilities. From the foundation of the world, he knows every possible thing that could happen. And knowing every possible thing that could happen, he's got a plan in place in case it does happen. So when it happens, the plan is there, and he weaves it into this harmonious whole. And he knows, he knows that the end will be worth it, more than worth it. The end will be spectacularly well. And so, of course, God is confident. This is what Jesus saw when, before he was crucified. He says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. He saw that it was going to be worth it. He saw that what the Father can pull off here. And it was more than worth it. Yeah, it's painful and terrible and nightmarish in the time, and he didn't want to go through it. But he saw the big picture, the long picture, and he knew that God, he, he, God could pull it off. So, so here's the thing. God has this peace, and that's the peace that Jesus gives to us. It's an unshakable peace, as Dion was saying. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it. Um, it, it. That's why Jesus says, I don't give it. And this is my third point. I don't give it to you like the world gives. The world can give a kind of peace. But it's a peace that happens when your circumstances are going fortunate. When things are going your way. You know, when, 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 when the finances are good. Yeah, you're at peace. But it's a, it's a, it's a contingent peace. It depends on what's going on around you. And because of that, it's, it's a peace that's always shaky. And so it's not really a peace. Because it's a peace that you always got to be worrying that you're going to lose. So it's not really a peace. But the peace that Jesus gives, it's the peace of God. It's the peace of God. You know what it depends on? God. It's only thing it depends on is God. As long as God is God, his peace is peace. And that's what Jesus gives to us. The world doesn't give it, and the world can't take it. So this is a peace you can have when your finances are doing great, but it's also a peace you can have when you're tanking. It's a peace you can have when, when uh, families are going great, but also a peace that you can have when relationships are really suffering. It's a peace you can have when your health is good. It's a peace you can have when your health is falling apart. It's like, Paul says this in Philippians 4, that the peace of God, it passes all understanding. It says that that peace will guard your heart. Let that peace guard your heart. It passes all understanding. Why? Because your, your understanding is based on situations here, kind of the normal thing that people do. And when things are going bad, it's natural to freak out. And so your understanding says, oh, time to freak out. But we have the peace of God so that when your understanding is saying it's time to freak out, no, there's just this peace. Yeah, you may have sorrow, yeah, you may have joy, you may be happy, you may be disappointed, there are a lot of emotions, but at the core of our being, there is this peace. He's already given it to us. The question is, do we access it or not? But it's the peace of God. In, in, this, in this world with all of its clamoring and all of its war and, and war of worlds and war, war of words and war of bombs and guns and, and, and the rhetoric and, and all the hate, the, all the stuff that's going on, all the clamor, all the anxiety, all the st- in, in the midst of all this, there is a center of peace that the people of God have access to. And it's the peace of God that passes all understanding, the peace that the world cannot take away. So we already have this. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm aware that there are folks, and Emily shared this with us uh, a couple months ago, who have anxiety disorders. And, 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 and they can be chemically caused. You have anxiety because it's chemical imbalances. And you need to do all you can do to take care of that. That's just part of the fallen world. That's just part of what it is. Don't have any shame about that. No, it's just that there is that anxiety. And so I, but I submit that this peace of God, uh, while your brain may still be racing, you can have, it at the very least will make you more okay with having your anxiety disorder. There's a peace that is lower than that. It, it's, the anxiety is in the head, and that's a real thing, and you have to address that. 
But there's a piece that can at least make it more accepting and improve it. So at the end of this message, I'm going to lead us in an exercise, and I encourage everybody, including those who have anxiety disorders, especially those who have anxiety disorders, to join in this exercise to see what it does uh, for you in, in dealing with that. But we have this piece. And I feel like, folks, this is so important. You know, I've shared this with you that I have... For various reasons, uh, some science, some sociology, but a lot of it's just a prophetic gut I have that, that we're in, the world's heading into unfamiliar territory. We're already in unfamiliar territory. Uh, you know that. And, and it's going to keep going in this direction. And um, I, I think it's more likely than not that things are going to get worse before they get better, and we don't know when they're going to get better. And all the climatologists tell us this. We've got the climate chaos going on. And that, that, that's only going to get more intense and more frequent in all probability. And that's going to intensify everything. And so we live in this time where we're seeing that everything's being amped up in this country and around the world. Uh, and so people's anxiety levels are going up. And I suspect they're going to keep on going up. And how important it is as this world heats up and as society heats up, how important it will be for the people of God to be anchored in peace. Because see, the, the, the worse things get in the world, the more precious that peace becomes. That'll be part of our advertising for the kingdom. If, if we can have this God's chill, this, this peace, even though we're concerned about things, we're, you know, yeah, we're not just blocking out the world. No, we're very much aware of the chaos, as Jesus was aware of the chaos. But in the midst of the chaos, the Prince of Peace gives us God's peace. And if we can be anchored in that, uh, oh, how precious that will be. Uh, see, and, and it, that's not just for our sake, because so, it's not fun having anxiety. But see, if we're freaking out with the rest of the world, we've got nothing to offer the world. We are our best selves, and we're our best ambassadors of Christ when we're anchored in Christ Jesus and have that peace that passes all understanding. I, I, we need to be able to access that. Amen. Learn how to cash in on that. I feel like in the last five weeks or so, I've discovered a new dimension of this piece. Uh, and it's related to this knowledge that God's at work in all things to bring about this tapestry. Um, and I want to share it with you. Um, I, I shared some time ago about how in April, I, I got on this health kick. And I have, you know, I got into yoga, and I started... Um, I was just doing exercising vigorously, and then I, I started picking up race walking again, I, I, or speed walking. I had to let that go a couple of years earlier because of my knees. And then eventually I could start running again. And I had to let go of that like 10 years ago because of my knees and my back. And um, I was just amazed that I was able to do this again. And so for six months, I, I you know, and my wife and I went on this kind of strict diet. And uh, so I, in, in six months, I lost 35 pounds, and I was feeling so great. And, and I, was out, I could run up to six miles. I couldn't believe it. And, and I was just so enjoying this that, that I, get to, I thought I had to let go of this. I've always loved running, and now I get to embrace it again. And, and I always ran very smooth. And, you know, but as I'm going down Summit Avenue, I always had a smile on my face, and I was always thanking God that I, I get to do this. I just, I just, and then it stopped. Um, late September. And it was like oh, overnight. First, I tore my rotator cuff. So I couldn't do some of the yoga positions. And uh, then, then I went to run. All of a sudden, the back pain starts coming back. And I get a shooting pain down my leg, and my feet are starting to go numb again like they used to. Uh, and then, and then the, for whatever reason, my knees start going crazy. Now, my back, it turns out that I, I've got two herniated discs, and the disc shift, one, one of the bulging discs shifted somewhat and hit another nerve, and that's why I'm getting this shooting pain going on my leg. And, and so overnight... In a span of about a week, 
shoulder, back, and knees, I found myself I couldn't do anything, including yoga. And I was really, really discouraged. Um, I can't tell you, I, 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 you know, when I get out of bed, it, 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 the first step of the day is the worst because there's a knife that just goes into your back and, and you have to like walk like that. I hate that. I just hate getting, especially in a bad mood. First thing in the morning, it's like, ugh. And, and it's this dagger and it takes about a, sometimes it took a couple hours to get rid of that. Taking a hot bath or whatever. And I thought I was free of that and now it's back. And so I really got discouraged. Um, I was mad. I felt like I got sucker punched. And I don't blame God for this. I know God doesn't do this. This is part of the fallen world. In this world, you're going to have trials. You can take that one to the bank. You're going to have trials. Uh, no, I don't blame God for this at all. But I got mad at the universe. You ever get mad at the universe? It's like, because it feels like, you know, it's like, oh, you get to have this back. You get to run again. You get to have the health again. Just kidding. Boom. And man. And I was discouraged for, I guess, maybe it went a couple weeks. I want to say a week, but it probably was more than that. But then something happened. Um, I could still walk. I, I do my Chi walking. I've talked about that. Walk very gentle. Uh, and, and I have to because of the back. Oh, and I will tell you this, that I, I now have gotten uh, cortisone injections in my shoulder, and I got an epidural in my back, and I got some cortisone shots in my knees. So I'm good to go right now. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd say it's... Uh, uh, it's not gone, I'm not going to go running, but, but it, it's, 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 it's a lot more tolerable. And I have good days and bad days, and I can stand today because I'm having a pretty good day. Uh, so you take it for what it is. But I was, I was on a walk, and I was meditating on Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. Go out with my dog, and I meditate. Now, I, 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 by meditate, I just mean, I, I just ponder, kind of like what this verse is about. And I try to imagine, uh, you know, this glorious end. I love doing this. It's just so encouraging to my heart, especially when things and the circumstances of my life are really sucky. I like to envision that in the end, as, as, as D-Line was saying, it's going to end well. It, it, it will all be worth it. I keep telling myself that, and I try to see that in vision. Of course, I can't really imagine it. It's, it's beyond what I can imagine, but it's fun to try, and you get as beautiful as you can. Uh, it just encourages the heart. So I'm, I'm thinking about this, and sometimes I meditate when I'm walking, but I sometimes meditate when I'm laying in the bathtub, loosening up my back, or I can meditate before I get out of bed, or just meditate sitting in silence, or sometimes I like to meditate and, and, and have music going on. It just means you know, this is what it is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as I'm meditating on this, it all of a sudden occurs to me, and it's kind of embarrassing to admit this, but that if all things are going to be woven together into a harmonious, integrated whole, then that means that this setback that I have is going to be integrated into a beautiful whole. And if God is working in all things for my good, because I know his purposes, and I'm cooperating with his purposes, if all things are working for the good, then even this back, knee, shoulder stuff is somehow going to be to my advantage. Now, I've always known that. I've even you know, thought about that. But see, here's the thing. It's way easier to think a truth than it is to apply it to your life. Somebody say amen. I mean, it's, I never had done the work to get on the inside of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know it's going to work together for the better, and I'll just, I can't wait for that to happen. No, but what about right now? And so I began to try to really look at this as, as, as something that can be used for my advantage. And, 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 and I'm asking God, okay, God, I, what good are you going to bring out of this? And I'm realizing that he wants to work on my character more. <laughs> and I, I don't think God caused this. I don't think God willed this. It wasn't preordained. But since this is happening to me, God says, okay, well, 
I have anticipated this possibility from the foundation of the world, and I have a plan in place as how to use it for your good and to weave it into this tapestry. Let's work on your character. And, 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 and it's to build uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. Um, he wants to build that in me. And as I shared last week and the week before that, character's everything. Amen. Jesus died on the cross so that we'd be transformed into his likeness. Character's everything. So God is doing, and, and, and we either let the love of God burn away what needs to be burned away from our character now, or it gets burned away later in the, in the final judgment, and the Holy Testament's there to tell us that it's far better for us to do it now than to have it done later. And so God's doing me a favor by using this stuff to build my character. And so I began to thank God for it. And this wasn't easy at first. Thank you, God, for oh, this dagger in my back. It, 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 it's, it's not easy. you got to crucify part of yourself to do this. But just like, God, I know that you're working here, and I'm just going to believe that. And wow, what a reframe. Um, I mean, it, for one thing, I just got to the point where I, I, there's a gift quality to this. It's terrible in and of itself. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but since it's here and since God's working in it, it has a gift quality, and that's why I thank God for it, for this gift. And the minute I did that, I first noticed that it lessens the pain. I, I had never realized this before, but when you're mad at your pain, you intensify the pain. Now, maybe that's just me. I don't know if it's that way with you. I suspect it is, but yeah, anger and, and, and all, the, all the negative emotion towards the pain, it, it doesn't help it at all. It just makes it worse. Complaining about it just makes it worse. So I, I found that it, it diminished somewhat the pain. But beyond that, as I did this, I, 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 I found that I stopped being mad at it. If it's a gift, I should be thankful for it. As I gave thanks, I lose my anger towards it. And just losing the anger towards it takes away, lessens the emotion of it. So I, that's when I realized that my anger... Am I feeling sorry for myself? And the frustration, the disappointment, that was what was blocking me from entering into this perfect peace that God has already given to me. Uh, I'm trying to control it. I want things to go my way. I, just, I want as much of my best life now as I can, and this doesn't really fit into my plans. Why should I have this kind of nagging back pain? Now, see, the thing is, compared to world problems, my back issues and knee issues are not all that big. Still, when it's you, it's, it, it feels very disappointing to, to have this. And, 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 but when I could get over that sulking and start to give thanks to God for this, it completely reframes everything. Okay, and, and then I begin to find this peace to a dimension that I have never had before. It's, there is a peace in the middle of the storm of your pain, in the middle of the storm of, 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 of the world uh, going out of control. There is this peace that you can have that passes understanding. You maybe can't explain it because your common sense says you ought to be freaking out, but it's available to us. Peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. So I want to lead us on an exercise here and end the service by just leading us through a meditation to try to help us access this peace. And I'd like to ask you all and all of you who are listening online to, uh, to, to go along with this. So start by closing your eyes and just sort of shutting out everything around you. And take a deep breath. Breathing, I found, is really important when you're doing meditation. It calms your body. It centers you. Take a deep breath in. Then let it go. And you remind yourself that you are right now, this moment, wherever you are, surrounded by the perfect love of God. 
which means that you're in a safe place. You're surrounded by the perfect love of God. Breathe it in. Breathe in that love. And then let it out. And as you're in this place, surrounded by God's love, I want you to think of one negative in your life. Something that you have a negative emotion in response to. It could be a person, it could be a situation, it could be a circumstance, it might be pain that you're in, it might be a nagging person in your life. It could be something present, it could be something past. Uh, maybe it's something that someone did to you that, that has continued to pain you through your life. Or maybe it's something that you did and that you've lived with regret this whole time. Whatever that negative thing is, just hold it there in your mind for a moment. And now I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom about this negative thing. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, teach me. What do I need to learn from this? And ask the Holy Spirit to open up your heart to receive that wisdom. Are you willing to let go of what you need to let go of to receive the wisdom of the Spirit as, as to how God can use this to your advantage? Hold that negative thing in your mind for a little longer. And know and just know that God did not ordain this for you. God's intentions are, towards you are entirely positive. He didn't cause this, but in this fallen world, it happens. It just happens. It shouldn't happen, but it does. And as you're sitting in this place, surrounded by the love of God, breathe it in, breathe it out. And you recall that God is infinitely intelligent. And so this circumstance, as unfortunate as it is, did not take him by surprise. And from all eternity, he's, he's, he's had a plan in place on how to bring good out of evil in case this happens. And you remind yourself that in all things, in all things, God is working together for the better. And you know that because you love God and are called according to his purpose. You just now embrace that. He is in this situation, in this negative, as bad as it is, as terrible as it is, God is at work to bring about good. So can you hear with gratitude, give thanks? There's a gift quality to this. Can you see it? A gift quality. It doesn't lessen how terrible it was. It doesn't lessen how unjust it was. It doesn't minimize anything. It just means that on top of that, now there is a gift quality because God is going to use this to further grow you into Christ-likeness, to further move you towards that beautiful tapestry that will be about in the fullness of time. And will you embrace that truth? Give thanks. And as you're giving thanks for how God is already using this negative in your life, I want you just to notice how your emotions towards it are changing. And can you breathe in God's love? Nice and deep. And exhale everything that's not consistent with that. Exhale your anger. Breathe in God's love. And just surrender over. Breathe out and surrender your frustration. You're wanting to control. You're wanting to have your best life. Let go of the resentment at what was stolen from you. Can you let that go? Just offer it up to God. Don't get mad at it. Don't judge it. Just breathe it out. Breathe in God's peace. Breathe out anxiety and fear that is maybe associated with your, this negative in your life. Breathe in that perfect peace that passes understanding. 
The peace of God who never bites his nails and never worries. Breathe that in. Breathe out. Frustration, disappointment, hatred, anger. Mm. Just sit with this for a moment. Not as the world gives do I give this to you. My peace I give to you. Receive that. It doesn't mean that we're checked out. No, it, it doesn't mean that we, we run from the chaos of the world. No, in the midst of the chaos, it's still there. It's still there, but at the core, we can handle chaos better because of this peace. Lord, give us this peace. Father, thank you for sending us the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for being God with us in all circumstances. And not just with us along for the ride, but as a co-worker who is working to turn everything to our advantage, to grow us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, which is the point of everything. Lord, give us wisdom to guard our hearts. Let that peace of God guard our hearts against everything that would try to steal it. And help us to surrender over to you all the negative energy that we create by trying to do it our way and have our best life now and fighting it. Thank you, Lord, for being Emmanuel. God with us, peace with us, joy with us, harmony with us, integration with us, hope with us. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Merry Christmas, huh? Merry Christmas. That's the best Christmas present you're going to get, all right? This is, I'm telling you. Uh, uh, okay, we have prayer available. If there's anything that you could use prayer on, whether it's related to this issue or something else, I, I encourage you to, here's the balance, folks, is that, like, I, I, I'm still going to seek relief any way I can. I'll get these injections as long as they work, and when that stops working, I'll probably get surgery, and of course, keep praying for healing. That's normal to do. You can keep doing that, but don't let your peace be contingent upon that. All right? At the same time, there's this radical acceptance. It is what it is in this fallen world, in this world of trials, but God can use it to our advantage. So seek out prayer in whatever area you need prayer with. And if you're online, you can uh, pray with our, our, our prayer ministers online. Um, and we also got to announce to Ruth. I, I, you, oh, yeah, we have the gathering groups. Uh, uh, on, in, in, I encourage folks to get involved in that, get to meet some people. And also the MuseCast on Tuesdays. Uh, that, uh, I encourage you to check out. God bless you guys. I hope you have a spectacular day and a spectacular week. And work with God that, knowing that he'll bring everything, however bad it is, to your advantage and the advantage of the kingdom in Jesus' name. God bless. Go out love on the world.